Welcome to the Achieve More podcast. This episode is brought to you by the Keto Oven. The Keto Oven is making delicious keto pizzas, pastas, and bread, food you thought you'd never have again on the ketogenic lifestyle. Find the Keto Oven in the freezer section of your local grocery store or check them out online at www.theketooven.com to learn more about how they're making keto easy. So it's official, it's here. I have my first podcast to launch, and I'm super excited about my first guest, Joe Moffitt of Master Life by Design, Coach Joe. This recording was phenomenal. I am so happy with it. I know you guys will be too. Listen in, there's so many tips and tricks, and we go through different experiences, this was phenomenal, absolutely amazing. And make sure you check us out at the Achieve More podcast. Leave a comment and let me know what you think. Let me know if you want me to keep bringing you more podcasts and more amazing guests like Coach Joe Moffitt. You can check me out at The Real Keto Mike or you can check out the Achieve More podcast and let me know what you guys think. I really hope you enjoy. Here it is. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of the Achieve More podcast. This is going to be a great one. I've been super excited to have my first guest on the show. This is a coach that I've worked with and I still work with. I love the guy. He's had the biggest impact on my life. It's sort of got me what changed when I met him. I was 400 pounds. I was known as Big Mike. And I was, you know, comfortable in life, but I wasn't really achieving more. I wasn't getting where I wanted to be. And I knew where I wanted to be. And I, and I thought I was putting in all the right work, but I just wasn't. And it wasn't until I worked with Coach Joe Moffitt of Master Life by Design that he took me through some amazing exercises. We had some really, really big breakthroughs. And I hope to share some of those with you guys today. Uh, Coach Joe served in the Marine Corps for five years. He's a successful husband, happily married, successful father of two amazing little boys. Um, and without further ado, Joe, Coach Joe, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate being here. Super excited to rock with you and your amazing audience. Awesome. Thanks, Joe. Uh, Joe, before we get into it, I just want to tell the audience uh, about yourself. Tell them about uh, sort of where you came from, your background, and, and what took you into the Marine Corps. Yeah, I was just one of those kids growing up where I love sports. I loved, you know, my friends and hanging out with them. And as I was in high school, I, I had this obsession of making the NBA. And for those of you that can't see me, I'm 5'10", I'm white. <laughs> um, so my my odds of getting to the NBA were very slim, and so in high school, I realized like there's got to be something else out there. I didn't want to go to, you know, a community college and go in debt. And all. And I remember one day I was my sophomore year in it. Um, I think it was an anatomy class. My anatomy teacher brought in his brother who was a dentist in the Navy. And he made the Navy seem so amazing, right? The travel and being out around the world and that's what I was like wanting to do. I was like, that's it. Like, that's me. And so for the longest, for about a year and a half, I was like, I want to go into the Navy. Right. 
And then I had a friend of mine who was about a year older than me. He graduated high school. It was my junior year. He came back midway through shortly after 9-11. And I saw him in the cafeteria and he was wearing this uniform that I'd never seen before. And it was the United States Marine Corps dress blue outfit. And so I went to talk with him and he told me he went to the Marine Corps boot camp. And I was like, what's the Marine Corps? And so anyway, I fell in love with the Marine Corps talking to a recruiter. You can imagine this is 9-11, you know, the tragedy that happened in New York and how people were feeling around the world and then seeing this war kick off in Iraq. And my family was devastated that I even wanted to go. Some dangerous times to go into the Marine Corps. Absolutely. And I remember there was, in my, I was 17, my mom had to consent for me to go into the military. And we, me and my family were going back and forth. It was me versus the world, I felt like. And if any of you have ever been in that situation where your loved ones are battling against your decisions, you know it's like this internal tug of war. It's this weight that wears you down. So anyway, I got my mom to agree to meet with the Navy recruiter and the Marine Corps recruiter and see which one would you know be best for me. And I remember the reason that that took place was because I said, I'm going into the military regardless. I said, I really believe that the Marine Corps has the highest training and gets you prepared the most for combat. And it, ha- it helps you stay, you know, you have your chances of staying alive are extremely higher going through Marine Corps boot camp versus the Navy. That was my rationalization. And so I was like, if I'm going to go to combat, like which one's going to prepare me to come home the safest? And that's mm-hmm. what got her. Mm-hmm. So needless to say, we went to the recruiter and she bought into the Marine Corps too. And she uh, reluctantly signed the paperwork for me to be able to join my senior year. And that's what lit me up. And honestly, if it wasn't for that moment, I don't know the direction my life would have been in and where if I would be where I am today. So I remember nine days after graduating high school, all my friends are having fun, having their senior parties. And I went to Paris Island, South Carolina for boot camp for the next three months in the uh, blistering heat. So, yeah. Wow. Wow. Amazing. And, I, and I've seen the photographs of, of you in Marine Corps, and that's some pretty hardcore stuff. And I'm sure we've all um, heard or have read or listened to David Goggin's uh, book, Can't Stop Me. That's some pretty hardcore training that you went through uh, in the Marine Corps and you spent five years. Tell us about some of the lessons that you took from there and what you're bringing into your life now. One of the biggest things that the Marine Corps taught me right off the bat was the power of values. And I never understood what values were. They were never really told to me or taught to me. And my dad was, you know, this hardcore, strict Italian. He's, he got me actually prepared, like growing up, prepared me for boot camp, which was great. I was like, oh, wow. It was like boot camp. I, I grew up in a yes. boot camp. My, uh, love my love my parents, but hardcore Middle Eastern background. So, um, yeah, it, it, it was boot camp growing Absolutely. up. Absolutely. And they prepare me, right? And that it, every time yeah. people think, oh, you know, why is this happening to me? And looking back, you realize it wasn't happening to you. It was happening for you, right? And it allowed mm-hmm. me to prepare mentally for what was to come in those three months and beyond. So values were the biggest thing. And the Marine Corps values, honor, courage, and commitment. And I started to live those through boot camp when things weren't 
weren't going my way. When things were hard, I couldn't even bend over in boot camp after the first week. We did pugil stick fighting, and I my I must have slipped a disc or something. I never went to medical because I didn't want to be dropped, but I had to have the courage. And that's when I started living the values, having the courage not to give up, to keep going, even in pain, regardless of the pain, and have that honor that, you know what? regardless of what happens, I'm making it through with my platoon. I was a squad leader. I led my squad and I was just like, I started living those. So values was one of the first things that kicked off. And then the other thing was commitment, right? Honor, courage, commitment. Well, we had guys in boot camp who were writing home that we were getting beat and <clears throat> the drill instructors were hurting us. And it, and it was, we found out who it was. And let's just say they weren't the, strongest in the platoon mm -hmm. right? and mm -hmm. i remember i had this unwavering commitment to my drill instructors my platoon that no one's going to bs them now were there you know borderline things you know like they can't hit you but they can grab you but when they grab you boom they, like they punch you in the chest and grab you at the same time so you know it's subjective <laughs> but yeah anyway, yeah i started learning the power of commitment and look, the road wasn't easy. So mental toughness was one of the things that was created in boot camp for me right out of the bat. Like I was just learning that, you know, when you're playing two sheets in a blanket, what that means is you go get your your linen off your bed and you bring it to the the middle of the squad bay. And we did two sheets in a blanket for eight hours. We would make our bed for eight hours straight in one day. You can imagine wow. how people wow. flipped out, the repetitiveness, the frustration. Oh. So just living those values. I don't think I've spent eight hours making my bed my entire life. That is, that's a <laughs> commitment. That, that is uh, stir crazy. Yes, there's definitely those days for wow. sure. Wow. You, you mentioned, you talk about how um, you you learned that life wasn't happening to you, it was happening for you. And then you talk about the weakest link who was sending home letters. It seemed like he was still in that mentality of it's happening to me instead of for me. Um, and here we are in, in a situation of 20, 2020, not, not the um, brightest days of, of what we're going through with this pandemic. But tell us how you can use that towards you know, now of, of what's happening now. And, you know, a lot of people are losing their jobs. A lot of people are losing a lot, but a lot of people are taking, you know, um, the, the higher road or saying, you know, this is happening for me and they're going out and they're achieving more. Take us, tell us how that can help through now. And if somebody who's lost their job or somebody who's, you know, getting evicted or has lost their, their place and the, and the landlord's kicking them out, um, what kind of mindset do they need to be in and, and how can yeah, they, they great use that question? And it's unfortunate what's happening around the world right now. And, you know, it's just, it's something we need to persevere through. The one thing though, that will never be able to be taken from us is the way we think and the meaning that we give to things. There's a great book by Viktor Frankl called man's search for meaning. And he talks about how, mm -hmm through his journey in the Holocaust, losing his friends and his family and going through that horrific event, how he got to shine. And I don't mean shine in like a prosperous way, but to be able to assign any meaning to any situation. I always tell clients we're meaning making machines. We can create any meaning that we want. We can give 2020 a meaning of it was this horrible year 
Or we can give it a meaning of something more empowering, like, hey, this brought us closer to our family. This got us to wash our hands more. And this got us, you know, there's mm-hmm. so many benefits to what happened in 2020. And honestly, it's in the most challenging times that some of the greatest companies were formed in the toughest times like this. And so I can't tell you how many people I know that as in March of 2020, when the market was crashing, they were buying. And as it ramped back up to an all, you know, an all time high, they made a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. A lot of, yeah. And as you see these people who are getting evicted or lost their job, you know, some of these times, some of these people, they actually didn't even like their job. They didn't even want to be there. Like they, (laughs) they provided and they maybe had to provide for their company, but they weren't fulfilled. And this could be an, an extraordinary opportunity for them to get clear on what is their dream job. Maybe their dream job is to work remote yes. and to do, you know, something that's in their wheelhouse. And now they get to go search because the world's going more online. This pandemic has created more online opportunities than ever before in history around the world. Maybe they get clear on their most fulfilling job. And who knows? It might even pay more and they get to work from home to be with their family. So you make some, you make some great points. It's, you know, that, and that's the, it's happening for me. There's the opportunity and you're right. A lot of people don't like their job. They don't like where they're at. Uh, Maybe they're, they were wanting to start their own business or they wanted to quit their job anyway. So this is a great reason and look for something else or start your own business. Um, There's a, there's a lot of, well, I'm in Canada. So there's a lot of funding out here um, for companies. Uh, I'm not sure in the U.S. might be a little bit different. I know you guys are struggling getting together a, a stimulus package, but now we have to look at it as an opportunity. Um, yeah, you're right. Unfortunately, a lot of people have lost a lot of things, but family time. Um, I work from home. You work from home, and it's been um, amazing to to spend more time with the family. And and we have to look at it like that. Um, so there's there's definitely a lot of positives to be Absolutely. taken. Absolutely, totally. So when you left the Marine Corps, I want to go back to this. You, um, you, you, you didn't land out of the Marine Corps on your feet. You came out and you still had some struggles. Uh, tell us what that was about. You had the lessons. You're, you're ready to come back into the world and apply those lessons. But you weren't on your feet. They weren't sticking. What happened? Yeah. You know, I think when you're at a young age, like I was at 23, we all have our mistakes that we make. And... You know, I came from high school to going right into the Marine Corps and really being controlled. And most people, they don't like to be controlled. They want their freedom. So when I got out of the Marine Corps, it was like, you know, all the shackles were off. I could do what I wanted, when I wanted, how I wanted. Um, However, that got me into trouble, not in like a criminal trouble, but I got $30,000 in debt, you know, just swiping the car. Um, I I was just, I wanted to be free. So I did what I wanted and I was in and out of relationships. I didn't know what I wanted. I was a personal trainer, part-time while kind of going to school. I I was still trying to figure out who I was and what I was about. And I got involved in network marketing. Uh, One of my really good buddies now who's extremely successful, his name's Brian James. He makes large six figures on a monthly basis in the industry. But when we met, Uh, He was sharing an opportunity with me that literally changed my life, the direction of my life, at least. And I got birthed into personal development because of network marketing. 
I started reading, you know, incredible books by like Tony Robbins and um, uh, some of the great books that are out there, Think and Grow Rich, all those great books and audios and going to events. And it really started shifting the way I saw the world, the way I thought. If you want to change your life, you don't just change the outer world. If you want to change your life, you start on the inner world. And that's what getting into network marketing did for me. And even though I spent five years in there and I learned incredible uh, life lessons and a ton in that industry, I realized that I needed to step away from it because I felt like I was babysitting people as I was building teams and organizations. And I just had this passion to do it more professionally. And so that sparked the direction of me starting a personal coaching uh, career path moving forward. Right. Nice. That's awesome. And and that's how we met. So we worked together, as I told you guys, uh, Coach Joe uh, was my coach. And when we met, I was 400 pounds. Um, my identity was Big Mike. Um, I was happy in life, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't where I wanted to be. I think my ego was being stroked a lot. Um, and I was afraid of the change, I guess. Uh, Big Mike was this lovable guy. Uh, everybody loved him. I, I was social. Um, you know, people were always over at my house or I was over at their house. And, and it, I was really fearful for the change. And when I started working with you, Coach, uh, we did a lot of stuff on identity. And we, we did a lot. You talked to me about, uh, and I, I want you to share it with, with the audience as well. You talked to me about um, the identity change and the fear that my loved ones have for me changing my identity, uh, what they're afraid of, uh, non-consciously, right? Um, and that was a, a big shift for me. And then we talked about um, experiences and, and class one, two, three, four experiences. Share a little bit with, uh, of, of that with us. Um, and why that had, well, I know why it had an impact on my life, but why did it work? Why does that work? And what's so yeah, powerful? There's a couple of different directions. And what I love about the power of coaching is that it's an art, right? There's no one answer fits everyone. Everyone's different. We're all unique in our own ways. Now, we all have similar experiences. However, we're all unique. And what you know works for one may not work for someone else right we you know i don't i'm glad i don't love doing accounting but i also am glad that there's a people out there that love to do accounting right so i can do what i'm good at and they can do what they're good at but when we were working together uh, we introduced the power of identity right because the strongest force in our human psyche is the need to remain consistent with how we see ourselves and so our identity is so powerful and there's different ways to work with identity. There's the one path that I start off with a lot of people is the archetypes. There's four archetypes, the king, the warrior, mm -hmm. the lover, and some people call it the mag magician or whatnot. But these four are kind of like the basic foundations. And the other direction is I like to give my own names to certain identities within ourselves. Now we all have multiple identities and no, you don't have uh, a disorder by any means. Right. But we're taught <laughs> that we have one identity. This is who I am. I'm Mike, I'm Joe. And if you go through life with one identity, you're screwed. 
because you're more than that. You're more than just your name. And because there's different moments in your life that require different parts of you to show up. For example, when you're standing on the altar with your partner, you don't want the warrior showing up, right? You want your lover to be there. But it's different than if someone was to try to break into your home, you need a different part of you to show up, right? The lover doesn't, you shouldn't go downstairs and see who's breaking into their home, (laughs) right? So we identify these different parts of us because as we step into those identities, it brings a different part of us alive. And when that part comes alive, we're able to accomplish more or to be more in those moments to allow us to have more success that we're looking for. I remember we used the four archetypes um, for my morning routine. I was having a really hard time. I wanted to get up at 6 a.m., get to the gym, get working out, but I wasn't getting up until, you know, 8 or 9 o'clock. And if you get up at 8 or 9 and you hit the gym, by the time you're done, you get your shower, it's noon, half the day is gone. And I remember that's what worked for me. And you would tell me when you wake up in the morning, and the alarm goes off at 6 a.m., are you the warrior or are you the lover? And that was the change for me. And when I woke up, I said, Warrior Mike is here. Warrior Mike needs to get up. And Warrior Mike was the morning. And you're right. We, I change, you change through those four archetypes um, throughout the day as you go through the day. When I come home after work or um, I'm, I go to bed while I'm not the warrior anymore. You don't want to be the warrior as you're falling asleep. So um, that that's so true. It holds, you know, depending on what you're doing um, in the moment, you have to be able to change to those four archetypes. Absolutely. You have a, a I do. Routine, I do. And it depends on the day. So I have versions of my morning routine that I go through. Take us well, through, depending on certain days are my workout days in the morning. So I wake up at 425 to go to the gym. I'll do a meditation before I take off to the gym. I go work out. For me, I say my prayers, right? Um, I go into gratitude on my way to the gym. I'm listening to audio after that on the way and back from the gym. The reason why I try, I pack so much in is I want to be able to get as much in in a short amount of time as possible. And so I, when I go through my morning rituals, I look at making sure I hit the four bodies. The four bodies are spiritual, and that can be anything. You don't have to believe in like God. It could be talking to the universe or just gratitude or just appreciation. So spiritual body, mental body. So I feed my brain every day, 30 minutes or more. And if you would feed your brain, more than you feed your body, your life would go in an entirely different direction. So spiritual, mental, then emotional. And that's where I like to tap into the gratitude and appreciation for the things I have in my life. And it's it would shock you that the more grateful you are for what you have, the more you actually receive. And you don't do it with the intention of I'm doing this to be transactional. You're doing it just because you want to just be mm-hmm giving gratitude for what you have and appreciation, right? There's in my house, the, my favorite part is over my back door. It says gratitude turns what you have into enough. And so I like to hit that because that turns circuitry of Mm. my emotions on and it sets the direction for my day. And then lastly is physical. I'm writing that down. It's a good one to capture. 
And then the last one, physical. Gratitude turns what you have into into enough. You know, that's so our daughter is uh, five and a half and uh, we're we're on the gratitude lesson with her now. Uh, We're talking to her about being grateful because if somebody comes over, we go to somebody's house or, you know, there's a treat of food or or whatever uh, or watching TV or, or whatever it may be. It's never enough right? Uh, at that age, they just want more, more, more. And I guess at our age, <laughs> we always want more, 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 but you can have different uh, rationalizations with us or different conversations. So we're trying to teach her a lot about gratitude and, and, you know, just be grateful, be grateful. We live in this country, be grateful that we have a TV that we're able to watch, be grateful that, you know, auntie was able to come over and spend some time with you, or you spent some time with your cousin. And uh, it's a big thing because I think, even at our age, um, in adults, we're, we don't, we're not grateful for, for what we have. We just want more, and we might not be willing to put in the sacrifice or the work to get more. Um, we, just, we just want it to happen. A little, so we're, we're, you know, I have the keto oven, and when we first started, we would go in and make about 100 pizzas in a 16-hour shift, and there would be about 15 of us um, trying to make these pizzas there it's a challenge to make them they're not a typical dough flour pizza they're keto pizza mostly made with cheese and um very very challenging in the kitchen we were working in and we've grown a lot since then and now we're in a a large um industrial uh, factory and we go in and we make five thousand pizzas in 10 hours with half the amount of people and we're still learning and we're still learning how to scale. And when we try to go from, uh, we were at 100 when we went in there, we went to 2,000, we went to 5,000, we'd get very frustrated. Why, why are we not at this 5,000 level? And we have to realize that just because we want to scale or just because we said we're going to do it doesn't mean you're going to do it. Let's be grateful that we can do the 2000. Let's be grateful that we're in here and how far we've come and and look back at the year that it's taken us to come in here. And when you do that, and when you stop for a minute to reflect and be grateful, um, then I love that. Gratitude turns what you have into enough. It's enough. And and then you can start with your new goal and start with a new setting and, and build that up. That's that's so amazing. And that's Absolutely. the biggest key, I think, is gratitude. It's about one of the most powerful emotions we can experience. So when you tap into it. How are your My boys? boys how, are, how are at your this boys? moment in December of 2020, they are two and a half. And my second one is 16 weeks. So we have a new little guy and our two and a half year old. And we're, too, teaching him the gratitude. In fact, last night, we were sharing with him how there's, you know, unfortunately, there's kids that go out, go without a Christmas. And so we started having him see that, which toys do we want to be able to give away to these little kids who don't have them and to be grateful for what he does have. And so we had a fun time going through his toys and, and put mm-hmm. him in a bag that we're going to go donate to kids that are less fortunate. So he's starting to learn that lesson at a young age. So it's great to teach. 
that's that's amazing that's amazing and um christina she's uh she's also working with you i want to talk about your coaching program master life by design um tell us more about that i know you have a great relationship with christina and i think you guys are working it together yeah Um, absolutely tell us more about it i remember many years ago when we first met uh, back in 2014 and we knew we wanted to be together that we both fell in love with personal development. We loved helping people change. People came to us naturally to be able to help them. And so as we dove, we were, I was in the coaching industry before her and she joined, but we started saying, you know, like, what's our mission in life? Like, what are we really here to do? And one of the things that we discovered is we love serving people and helping people break through. And we started seeing patterns and So we just said, you know, we're going to do this the rest of our life with other adventures, right? Because we don't just, we're diversified, but we created Master Life by Design. And what that's all about is consciously creating the life that you want, becoming the master of your life and not waiting for things to happen, but creating things to happen. And so we like to work on the six pillars, which are health is the first one, emotions, mastering your emotions your relationships, your finances, your lifestyle, and your spiritual life. And we mainly work with six, seven, eight-figure entrepreneurs that are looking to master their life or master an area of their life outside of their business. But we are content and what we put out there is for everyone, right? And so Master Life by Design is really about saying, okay, where are you? Where do you want to be? And how do we close that gap so that you can design a life that you want that would not only make you happy, but also fulfilled? Because there's a difference when people achieve something versus being fulfilled by something. And so it's funny, this morning I was just teaching my mm-hmm. I was telling my son that we were going to do this interview And I told him, and he's only two and a half, so I don't know how well he's going to understand this, but I told him, don't go for something in life so that you can be, air quotes, successful. For you, I want you to learn to go after life to be happy. And as a result, a byproduct, if you pick a good Mm -hmm. vehicle, you'll be successful economically, but more importantly, you'll be happy. You'll be fulfilled. And I see a lot of people that come to me, they're financially successful but they're miserable and extremely unfulfilled. And so we get to have some fun with the magic and artistry of getting them fulfilled while being successful and creating the life that they want. And why, you know, that's so true. And and I think the fulfillment piece, because you can, you can chase a job, you can chase a business, you can build a business, you can make six figures, um, I'm not saying that it's easy. It is challenging, but it can be done. Uh, but the fulfillment piece, and unless you have passion for something, that fulfillment piece is missing. Uh, I find myself in the same boat now. So I'm a successful real estate broker, um, super happy with with my wife and, and my kids and our marriage and our living situation. Um, super happy with everything. I'm just missing a piece of fulfillment. I don't feel fulfilled. And something that got over me about a month ago or six weeks ago was I just wanted to start giving. I've always given. I've I've always, you know, taught my my 
children and even before that you know let's let's take our stuff that we don't want our, our clothing or toys or whatnot and let's give it to those in need um but something got over me now and i'm looking for opportunities to give it's not just oh if it comes i'm actually online on facebook groups and looking for ways i can give and i've reached out also to a local um, organization here and I said, I want to feed some families for Christmas. This is a tough year. Um, I want to feed some families. So we're putting a program together. We're actually going to feed 101 families this year, uh, a nice turkey dinner. And it, I feel fulfilled. And I'm not doing it for any reason. I'm not doing it uh, for any financial reason or to, to try to monetize off this. I told them I don't want my real estate name behind this. I'm not coming in as, as Mike Josh and the realtor. I'm just, it's Mike and his family, and, and I want to go with my family and do it, and I don't want any business. And I feel fulfilled. And I think that's the piece that everybody misses when they're trying to build this business or trying to go to work, and, and they think it's money that's going to fulfill them, or they think it's a car or a fancy house or sitting on a beach resort. It's not that. It's giving back that's fulfillment. Do you find that with most of your clients, and do you find that, when they start to give, that's when they Absolutely. start to feel fulfilled. Giving or contributing to others is such a powerful gift. Whenever you're in a challenging situation, it seems like the world's crumbling on you. Everything's going wrong. One of the things that I would always encourage people to do is go give, go give beyond yourself, right? It's not about you. And as soon as you take your eyes off yourself and put it on others, that's when you start to feel that fulfillment. And so when you give is one aspect. The other time that we can feel fulfilled is when we're growing. Because if you think about it, even though you're not at the finish line, if you're walking or running or sprinting towards the finish line in your business, your relationship, if you're growing in that area, you're going to be fulfilled, even though you didn't get the end result. And like you said, Money's just a byproduct. It's a means to an end. When people start a business, they're like, oh, I want to do it to make money and a lot of it. But I always ask for what purpose? Because that purpose, right? Oh, I want financial freedom. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, for what purpose? Well, I want to be able to, you know, be with my kids all day and travel the world with them. Okay, for what purpose? Because I want them to see what this life is to offer that I never got to experience and so that they can be proud of their dad. And it's like, ah, oh, that's why you're starting a business. And when you identify that, you know that as you build your business each day, whether you're going mm -hmm. into an industrial factory or you're just making pizzas at home, you know that you're growing because of why you're doing this. But also if you on the other end is you're contributing to other people's lives. And in your example, in the business you're creating or your businesses, it's like you're helping people eat healthier to become healthier, or you're helping them get into a safe home to raise their family and create magical memories. And when we do that, when we give or contribute to people and we start to grow as a person and become more of, of ourselves, that's when we're truly fulfilled. And that, regardless of whatever you're doing, that's why people can be working a, a job at you know Walmart as a door greeter, making minimal wage, but be totally fulfilled. Yet you have someone who's building a company and worth hundreds of millions of dollars who's miserable. Right? Mm -hmm. 
That's it's so true because money is just a byproduct. It's not everything. Uh, and, and being money centered is not going to leave you fulfilled. Uh, I remember um, we were, we were having a coaching call and was during our coaching sessions and um, we went through that. Well, why? Well, why? And, and it was the same answers because I want the freedom. Well, why? Well, why? And I realized I looked at my daughter and she, she was maybe two years old at the time. And all she wanted to do was play. And I get down on the ground and play with her. And I realized something that she has no idea how much money is in my bank account. She doesn't know if there's a hundred dollars in there or if there's a million dollars. She has no idea when that phone rings, whether it's a collection agency or it's a client that's a $20,000 sale. All she knows is that is daddy playing with me or not? Is daddy happy when he comes home? Is daddy sitting down with us for dinner time? She has no idea about the money situation. And if we focus and we stress out about, I need money, I need the money. Well, we need the money. Don't, don't get me wrong. We need the money. We need to pay our bills. We need to have a roof over our head. But you only need so much to make you happy. And if you want to build a big business or you want to do something that's bigger, you want to change the world, don't do it for the money. That's the, the, the worst thing we can do. And that will get you trapped and that'll get you stressed and that'll get you miserable and take you away from your family. Um, you have to do it for a reason that's bigger than yourself. Your why has to be bigger than yourself and, and it can't be for the money. And that takes me to the weight loss. When we met, I was 400 pounds. And um, why, why, why do you want to lose the weight, Mike? Well, because I'm 400 pounds. Well, okay, so what's the problem? So, well, I, I want to walk my daughter down the aisle when she gets married. Okay, well, what else? Well, I want to have a house in Newport Beach and retire there and watch my grandkids play in the sand. Well, so are you going to be able to do that if you're 400 pounds? And I looked around and I didn't see many grandfathers that were 400 pounds. And I thought, I'm not going to live that long. If I continue this way, I'm not going to get to that. So regardless of the money I make, regardless of what I do now, my whys were much, much bigger than myself. Uh, and that's what helped me make the change um, was, was having those bigger whys and having my children. Now, if you don't have children and your why is just money or your why is just, you know, to be successful, um, you know, a lot of people talk about he made it. He made it. Where did you make it? Where where did you make it? When you made it, when you're you talk about growing and we got to continue to grow, and that's how we get fulfilled because the end of the journey, well, the end of the journey is six feet under. When you've made it, when you're done, when you can sit back and you're done, well, then you're six yeah. feet under. We're not growing anymore. So what's what's you know what's after the growing? After Absolutely. the growing is dead. Yeah, it's important to know your why and to and to be growing at the same time. And just kind of piggybacking what we were saying earlier about money and companies. You know, you see these people who are extremely financial, financially successful, and then you see them go start another company like Elon Musk, right? And people are like, "Gosh, you're like, does he really need more money?" And they're under the, yeah, they're they're under the <laughs> illusion that he's That's not for after the money. The money. What he's truly after are these people who go build another company and, and grow. 
What they're really about is fulfillment because building business fulfills them. It causes them to grow, to become more. Plus, they're also contributing because they can't build a company without hiring people and paying them to provide for their families. So when they when you see someone that's very financially well off, most of the time what they're doing is they're going to that next level because they it's challenging them to become more to grow. And then also from there, they're contributing to other people, whether their business is providing a service or a product solution and being able to help provide for families. So it's really counterintuitive. But going back to the weight, it's like you got to know why you're doing what you're doing. Otherwise, when that 20 percent of time it comes where it's kind of like you're eating a crap sandwich and life's beating you down, that's what's got to pull you through. And if you're why? isn't compelling enough if it's not juicy enough during those dark times or those challenging times you're just gonna you're gonna drop you're gonna let go you're gonna go back to old habits lower your standards instead of stepping up and allowing that purpose to pull you through yeah it's it's so true you know i i talk a lot about the process and, and enjoying the process and that's that's one thing that I've learned to control or learned to enjoy over the last little while is a lot of the times our why is the the sexy part of something. So um, a basketball player, the sexy is when he's on the court playing those you know sixty minutes. The singer is the the, the sexy part is when they're making their music video or they. The entrepreneur, uh, you know, flying in in their private jet, Um, you know, we see those moments and that's that's only 10%. And if you make your why about that, what are you going to do about the 90% of the grind? Because that's the process. And unless you're going to enjoy that process, that 90% and grind that out, then you're not going to achieve that 10%. You're not going to achieve that sexy. And I had that challenge with building the keto oven because I was doing it for the 10% for going into the store, the national grocery store and seeing the product on the shelf saying that I built this brand and that's, that's amazing. And when we first got into, when we got into our first national grocer, I was driving there, super excited. I parked the car, I get out. I got my camera ready to go. I want to go see it on the shelf. I want to buy one. And I went, saw it on the shelf, had a smile from ear to ear. I took a picture. I bought one. I brought it home, cooked it in the oven, shared it with my family. And we celebrated. Yes, we made it. And then and then that was it. The, 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 the happiness went away it was because it wasn't happiness it was pleasure it was a little bit different and then it was back to the process i woke up in the morning and shit man i hate this i don't want to go into the plant today because when i go in there's all kinds of problems this guy didn't show up that guy didn't show up the the you know this is not working something breaks down a product doesn't show up and i was hating the process. And I can't tell you how many times that I wanted to quit. But because my why became bigger than the sexy or became bigger than the process, I started learning how to enjoy the process. 
And I think that's the most, one of the most important pieces is that we have to enjoy that 90%. And unless we're going to enjoy that 90%, when, when LeBron James takes the court and he lights it up, we don't see the training that goes into before he steps on the court and lights it up. And if we do, it's a post on social media and they're still able to make it look sexy, right? We, we still think the training, but it's not, it's a grind. And same in your business and same with being a successful parent, you have to enjoy that process. Absolutely, And that takes work, right? It's, it's not, it's not something that always comes easily. It's you got to work on your mindset and control your emotions and look at the meaning that you're giving to these situations because it is tough. Right? Business is a roller coaster. Life is a roller coaster, right? And so we want to make sure we don't get too high, but we don't get too low either. And as you can start to master that skill, then all of a sudden, as you go into life, when you go into business, when something happens, you're not phased by it. And you're focused on your highest intent is how can I enjoy this day? How can I bless others? How can I give? How can I grow? All of a sudden, the challenges have a different meaning. And it's just okay, it's like driving up a hill. It's like, it's just what I got to do. And then you keep going forward. So, yeah. I have a, I have a challenge um, for everybody listening out there. Do something for somebody else today. As you're listening to this, when you hang up, when you get off the podcast, go out and do something for somebody else. Whether it's carry somebody's groceries for them, or pay for their coffee in the drive-through, um, or shovel the snow for them, or clean off their car. Whatever it is, find one thing and do something for somebody else today, and see how that makes you feel. Pay attention to to that, and and do it again, and spread it, and and challenge everybody else around you. Challenge everybody you know um, to do that. To just do one kind act for somebody else today. Make it more than about you. Make it about somebody else. Um, and that takes me to experiences, Joe. Um, there's different classes of experience. If it feels good, it's good for you, good for others, and serves the greater good. So something like helping Correct. somebody else um, would be a class one experience, right? A class four experience doesn't feel good, not good for others, does not serve the greater good. An example of that would be going out and getting wasted, getting hungover, um, and then, you know, coming home and being miserable to your family. Um, how do we make sure that we stay in class one experiences or class two experiences at least? Because class one um, feels good, good for you, good for others, and serves the greater good to do that all the time. Well, we can't be on point and, and all the time. Um, and class two experiences we need to do as well does not feel good, but it's good for you, good for others, and serves a greater good. So exercising maybe could fall into a class two experience if you're just starting out. Somebody like you, I'm sure exercise, you know, might be a class one experience. Um, but how do we make sure that we stay in class one and class well, first two? First is and, really and getting clear on three and four. What activities are you doing? that and where are they in these class experiences right and so if you're you know like you said if you're going out getting hung over what class experience is that if you're going out and feeding the homeless each weekend what class experience is that getting clear on 
what are your behaviors on a weekly or daily basis? And once you do that, you can identify where are you? The greatest gift that you're going to get is taking those class two experiences and making them a class one because it causes you to grow, right? A class two experience is, as you said, it doesn't feel good, but it's good mm-hmm. for you and others in the greater good. For a lot of people, working out is a class two experience. It doesn't feel good in the moment. In fact, even the process is a class two. I don't always like getting up at 425 mm-hmm. in the morning when it's 17 degrees outside and driving to the gym in the freezing cold. But I know that's a class two experience. And then when I'm working out and I finish up, it's definitely a class one. So your greatest gift is go take the class twos and learn how to turn them into class ones. The other thing, too, is to get out of a, a three or a four and step into a, a, a class one experience. A lot of times <clears throat> that is a lack of awareness, but then once they have the awareness, how do you change? Because you know you should. It's like a lot of people, they know they shouldn't overeat, but they do. They know that they should wake up early and work out, but they don't. They know they should put money away for their future, but they don't. And that's because they have no leverage. If you're going to change, the first thing you need to do is you got to raise your standards. You got to change your shoulds. Oh, I should work out. I should put money away. I should treat my spouse better. But make them a must. Like there's no negotiating. And once you've done that, you've raised the standard. Then you got to say, okay, why is this important? What's my leverage? And like for you earlier, your leverage was if you don't change, if you don't release this weight and let go of the identity of Big Mike, you're not going to walk your daughter down the aisle. And so it's uh, leverage is associating extreme pain to the moment of Mm -hmm. not changing. But that's not it. A lot of people think it's just that. That pain is a great initial motivator, but the long-term motivator is pleasure. So we want to link also pleasure to changing immediately. What will that do for you? Right. And so when you get that leverage, that's how you can go from a class two experience to a class one. And sometimes it takes repetition. Right, you got to do it over and over and over again until you feel like you actually you own it. This is part of you. You're taking me back here. I remember the pain and pleasure, and remember you talking about how how does that go? You have to they have to be equal. Um, the the pain has there has to be. How does that go, Joe, where you talk about the pain and pleasure? Because that was very powerful. I remember you talking about that. It was painful to be 400 pounds or it was painful uh, to sleep in because I would wake up and my body would hurt. And that had to be there for you to make the change. But then uh, the pleasure of feeling light or being able to you know, spring out of bed um, was also so they they played equal parts. Yeah, you got to remember again. So if someone's not taking action, like I want to make sure I get I rip into them in a loving way with permission. So don't go ripping your partner just because you hear this. They're not you know working out and you're like to, you know calling them every name in the book or something. That's not what we mean here. <clears throat> what we're looking at is how do we get you to get mm-hmm. up off your butt in a moment, and that's through massive pain and sometimes with clients i got to go into this jack the ripper identity and just tear them to shreds 
not because, you know, I want to be a jerk. It's because I want them to get so associated to the pain that they're like, all right, let's go. But then once we get them moving and also it's like, but what are you moving towards? Why are you moving towards this? What are you going to do when you release the weight? And what is that that you're going to have or be or create or feel? And as you start to associate the pleasure to it, all of a sudden, that's what's going to keep you moving in the long term because it's like a fire. You know, if you're freezing cold, you're going to walk right up to the fire. But if you start sweating after a while, you're going to back away, back away, back away. Right. And so the further away from the fire you get, the more cold you get, the less warm that you get. Mm-hmm. And so we have to have the pain and the pleasure. Otherwise, you'll do the yo-yo effect. You'll start. And as soon as you get away from the fire a week, two weeks, three weeks in, like New Year's resolutions, you stop. And then you got to, you go, you add on all the weight or you go back into all this debt or mm-hmm. you, you know, the relationship starts to go back to fighting every day. And you, you're like, you know what? I got to get pain again. There's pains too much. I got to change something. And you start getting that pain. You start moving towards that fire again. So both are powerful. It's just pleasure sort of more of a long-term motivator to keep you going. And is that, so I wonder if, because I did the identity shift and I think that's what helped me the most is I I left Big Mike behind. We did an exercise where you told me to write down, you know, who's Big Mike and then who do I want to be? And I I left behind Big Mike and I became Keto Mike. Um, And I talk about how, you know, well, Big Mike is Big Mike. He can't, he can't eat a salad. Um, Big Mike can't go to the gym big mike needs to be the you know the 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 lovable guy who's there and hanging out and um but keto mike no keto mike's gonna be you know the active guy and he's gonna be much different he's he's not gonna eat the piece of cake and he is gonna eat the salad or he might not eat at all at your function uh because i don't need the food to make me happy um i'm happy with with the way i am i don't need to drink the alcohol and get drunk whereas big mike um you know, was the one to get drunk because that's what I did. It was, it was the social. So I left behind big Mike and I became keto Mike. So I did the identity switch. And I think that's what really helped me. And I, and I think now that we're talking about it, it was the pleasure that keto Mike brought and the pain that big Mike brought. And I identified what those were. And I think that's, what's helped me. Because I tried all kinds of diets before. I tried all kinds of ways to change. And I never did because I never saw Big Mike as giving me pain. I saw Big Mike as giving me pleasure. But when I identified the pain points and how pleasurable Keto Mike would be, that's where the shift happened. And that's where the identity shift happened. So it wasn't being at a party anymore and and painful to say, oh, no, no, I'm not going to have that piece of cake. Thank you very much. Um, and, and being painful now is just, yeah, I don't, I don't that's need good. It. And remember, um, I, I find pleasure. Our, in not all of our identities it. serve us, even the bad ones. And I use bad as an air quote there because in reality, there's no good or bad. It's that's all subjective. It's all the meaning that you give to it. However, these bad identities serve us because they are a great contrast or a dichotomy for who you are becoming 
And so you wouldn't have been able to become Keto Mike if there wasn't Big Mike first, right? And so we want to honor and give appreciation for Big Mike because he served you Mm -hmm. up to a point in your life. It helped you get to where you were. But where you were wasn't go and who you were weren't going to help you get to where you're going or where you are now. And so we have to make those transitions. If you think about over all your all the listeners out there over your life, if you're older than even just 25, 30, you know, when you were younger, when you were in high school, right, you were this certain way. You know, I was the kind of the class clown, the joker guy, and that helped me win friends. But in the Marine Corps, that part of me got me in trouble. That part of me got me demoted and not in a bad way, like in boot camp, like they wouldn't you know, put me as a squad mm-hmm. leader if I was a mm-hmm. class clown. And so I had to become the serious part of me, right? And that, that kind of like David Goggins type part of me in boot camp. But that served me while I was there. But if I went out into the real world and started dating, that David Goggins identity wouldn't serve me, right? So these, as we evolve, we create new identities and they're all required. We already, you know, from birth, you already have multiple identities. It's like, you're a, you're a son, you're a best friend, you're a brother or a sister. And then you have kids, your mom, your dad, you're an employer, you're an employee. We have all these identities already. It's just a matter of identifying mm-hmm. which identities do you need in certain situations to step into, to become Right. That's why movies are so powerful. You watch like a a Marvel movie or a superhero movie. It's like by the end, you believe you are that character. Like how many times have you seen the movie Rocky? And you're like, at the end, you feel like you could take on anyone. And even if you couldn't, you'll you'll stand the test of time. So anyway, that's so powerful is is (laughs) having those different identities for the right moments. Yeah, I, I remember uh, just a small story here. I used to work uh, security in nightclubs and bars. And I remember one night um, there was the, the Tyson fight was on TV. Um, and, and I remember our, our boss, our head of security saying, OK, guys, tonight we need to be very aware because at the end of the fight, everybody's going to think they're Tyson. Right. There's going to be a lot of fights that happen tonight. And sure enough. I've never seen so many fights in one night after, and this is not Tyson. It's, it's just because of the fight and everybody took on the identity that they're a boxer and they know better. And and they started swinging punches. It was, uh, it was one hell of a night to work. Let me tell you. Um, So, so Joe, why are we afraid then to switch between identities? I know my challenge was family and friends. You know, I am this person all of a sudden, I'm going to be that person. How do I, you know, how, how do we break through that? How do we not worry about, I guess we just simply don't worry. But we have that identity and that big Mike is with his friends and with the family. And that's how he's known. All of a sudden, you're going to be Keto Mike. Um, why are we so afraid? And how do we block out the noise? Because there is a lot of noise from the ones who love us the most. I'm sure there's a lot of people listening who want to change or want to do something better, but they're worried about their family. They're worried about their parents or their spouse or, you know, their, their siblings or somebody saying, you know, being a naysayer or so being negative. In those How moments, a lot of times that out? there's different fears that come up. And when it comes to fears, we got to remember that they're not real. 
but fear is physical. And so it requires us to take massive and immediate action. And if you think about a fear, uh, fear is like kind of like a tabletop. And we have references that are the legs that hold up this belief. And so what I'd like to help clients do is identify what's that fear that you have and start to learn how do we chop those legs off. And sometimes that's that can be scary, right? And we whatever the fear is, sometimes people are like, you know, if I change and <clears throat> people aren't going to like me anymore mm-hmm. or my family's going to question me or my friends will won't want to hang out with me anymore. And, you know, one of the ways that we question is like, well, if that's true, if your friends aren't going to hang out with you anymore, were they ever friends to begin with? Right? Because friends are there to support you. I have a ton of friends who have transitioned mm-hmm. from a career or an identity or whatever lifestyle. And I love them all the same through it all. And that's what a true friend is. But it's this fear, this illusion that you're going to have you know, less friends, or you're going to have, you're going to lose out on something, maybe an opportunity, or you'll never be able to achieve something or be something. And so we have all these fears. And when we can eliminate those fears, it becomes easier to step into those identities. But it does take courage, it does take action. And so you there's times where it's not going to be easy, but it's always going to be worth it. Because if you're making a decision for you and the greater good of who you are and who you're becoming for your growth, some people are not going to like it and you just have to accept that and move past that. Or people are going to love you for it and it's just going to add fuel to the fire for it. Yeah, I think you're so right. The The people will love you for it. Um, and it'll add fuel to that fire because you're you're living more class one experiences. And when you're living more class one experiences, yeah. you become a better person. You become more pleasurable to be around as well. Um, if you're living three and four, then you're not really pleasurable to be around. So, um, you know, class one, you become more pleasurable and, and, and people want to be with you. That's awesome. So, Joe, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. How can people find you people want to want a coaching session they want to talk to you they want to go through things briefly what does that yeah, look for like for all How your listeners they can what is their first kind of coaching email, call look like email me at joe at masterlifebydesign.com or you could just go to masterlifebydesign.com you could check out all of our testimonials our webpage, our videos and then you can go to programs and one-on-one coaching and fill out the coaching application if you're serious, if you really are committed to making a change. Other than that, if you just want to follow some great content, you can go on to YouTube and to our podcast of Master Life by Design, and you can get some really great content that's going to be put out there. We have some up already. We're going to do even more in 2021 because after an extraordinary 2020, people need more psychology shifts more now than ever. And so we give you the latest tip, tools, strategies, psychologies that you need to move forward in life and business. All right. And, and if somebody wants coaching, what kind of commitment should they be looking at? Is one coaching session That's going a great to question. And do I always it? Like should to get they, this analogy. six months, one year? What should one expect? One meal of broccoli and chicken, right? Healthy meal or any type of healthy meal. Are you going to get a huge reward from it? More than likely not. 
But if you did it for six months, would you see a change? Or what if you did it for a year? Would you mm-hmm. wouldn't even be able to tell who you are, right? And so over this last decade, after doing 16,000 coaching calls with people from you know new thousands of people I've worked with around the world, you start to see and learn what works and what doesn't, right? And what I found is if you're really looking to create a shift in your life, one that's going to work and last, you got to commit to six months or more. If you really want to, you know, a lifestyle change, it's good. A solid year is good. I say, you know, if you're going to, six months is like eating half the sandwich. You're going to get, you're going to get some night full mm-hmm. and you're going to get your taste f- fulfilled, or your, uh, your diet, whatever. But if you eat the whole sandwich a year's worth, then all of a sudden you're going to feel great. So I would look at a six or 12 month commitment. That's what we look at. We do 18 months. Uh, but those are really the sweet spots for most of our clients to see extreme and radical success in their life. Awesome. Coach Joel, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule. Everybody, don't forget to visit uh, Master Life by Design. That's what I say now. I've designed my life the way I want it. I've, I've ripped that from you, Joel. I've designed my life because of working with Master Life by Design. So make sure you check him out. And don't forget to check us out. You can find me at The Real Keto Mike or the Achieve More podcast on Instagram. Thanks, guys. Thank you, everybody. Have yourself a lovely day, and we'll see you next time.